0: training for ministry or have aspirations for ministry or leadership, and if you have your Bibles, you can open it up to Proverbs 29:18. and Proverbs 29:18 is perhaps one of the most familiar passages that's used for vision. I have it memorized in the old King James Version. I also know what the new King James says, and some of your versions may say something a little bit different than what I'm preparing to quote you. But in the old King James Version, Proverbs 29:18 says, Where there is no vision, can you finish it? The people perish, exactly. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Um, probably a more accurate translation or a more contemporary translation, it would read something to this effect. Where there is no ongoing revelation, the people wander unrestrained. Some of your versions will say they'll wander in a desert until they die. It just kind of depends which version you're reading from. And basically, Solomon was saying this, that if you don't get a vision from God, or if you don't attach yourself even to a vision from God, that what happens is your life is aimless, it is rudderless, it will go nowhere, and you will eventually end up in destruction. Everything in life deals with vision. I, I, I'm glad all the young people are with me tonight because I'm telling you guys, if you'll get a vision for your future now, it will set a rudder for you that will help you hit something that will be a joy and be a benefit and produce good things in your life. You see, for some of us, the only vision we had was what's happening next weekend. See, if I, if I lived a lot of my life like that from weekend to weekend. I go to work and I talk with all my friends or go to school and talk with all my friends and all of our talk all week long was, what are you going to do this weekend? And then we go through the weekend and then we get back to school or work on Monday and then we talk about what we did on the weekend. And that took you Monday or Tuesday and by Wednesday you're thinking again about the next weekend. And so most of your life was lived with a vision of about seven days. And, and that was the extent of vision. And, and of course, a lot of times, even though our vision was carnal, we fulfilled it. Is that not true? We wanted to have a wild weekend and we fulfilled it. But but the power of vision can work not just for destruction, but God wants it to work for your benefit as well. And if you have a heart to be a world changer or a nation shaker, you know, a lot of times people will hear that and maybe you'll share something of of just great uh, uh, aspirations that the Lord has given you and, and I'll never forget the first time I went and shared with my parents. Now, I love my parents. I respect my parents. Uh, This is 30-plus years ago now, and our relationship has changed dramatically over 30-plus years. But I can remember when I shared with them that I felt like God was calling me to go into the ministry. Now, they weren't my cheerleaders at that time. Things have changed. But at that time, they were not my cheerleaders. I can remember, literally sort of seeing the eye roll and sort of the attitude of, well, this must be a phase he's going through. And he'll get through this phase and, you know, he'll get back to some sense of normality. They were just happy, I think, at that particular moment that I wasn't getting into trouble anymore, that this was the Lord phase in his life and hopefully we'll keep him on this track for a while and maybe we can keep him safe through school and, you know, then he's off and he can be an adult. But that's sometimes how people view vision. They sort of roll their eyes and say, yeah, sure, but you've got to understand that's how God starts everything in your life. If you, want, if you want to be right in your life, you've got to get a vision for your life. A lot of people's vision needs to start with being whole, being well, being healed, breaking out of your dysfunction. You know, there's ongoing revelation. You know, once you get a vision for being whole, perhaps no longer being in bondage, and you get to that place, then God will give you more vision. And he'll give you things that you can begin to do and what he wants to do with your life and his, and his will. And so all of these things are important aspects of vision. And I wrote in your notes that that there have been all sorts of examples of vision all through history that have, that have literally changed the world. Now, I'm not going to go through and just talk about each one of these because of, of time. But one of the interesting things is the Wright brothers. Most of you know, not far up the road, the Wright brothers are the ones that have been noted for really breaking through and being the first ones ever to fly. A lot of people don't know what they had to break through in order to get to that place. They, were, they, they worked in a bicycle shop. Their dad was actually a Methodist bishop. And um, their dad one time in a Methodist conference stood up and said these very words. He said, if man was born to fly, God would have given him... See, you know that. And he, and he stood up in, in a conference and actually said that. Well, how interesting is that, that, that Bishop Wright would stand up and say that, and he's got two kids in his household preparing to be the ones that are going to break through and fly. I mean, all of us know here that, that in that era, can you imagine what people would have said and done and thought when, when you'd look at someone and say, I believe man was meant to fly? They would have laughed at you. But yet they had a vision for this. And they succeeded in doing this, but it had to start with that vision. So, so everything begins with vision. And vision, I wrote down here, is a picture of the future that produces passion. Now, now, I've heard many definitions of vision, but that's about the best one. You get a picture of the future that produces passion. I know a lot of people that would like a different future, but they don't have a passion to get there. And it's got to be something that solicits your energy, it solicits your zeal, it solicits your desire, and it begins to move you in that direction. Vision is what you'd give your life to and for. It's the reason for your existence. It is a cause that you would sacrifice to bring to pass. I mean, that's that's what vision is. And I'm going to say it again. You need to get a vision for your life. Man, I wish I wish we could get this into every young person. If you could get a vision for God's will for your life and you got a passion for that, you could do some remarkable things. You could go farther and do more than I could ever do if you'd just get a vision for that. Vision is literally what I call your deed or your title to your future. Now, I wrote down here what our vision is as a church. And and I've gone through this a number of times, so I won't belabor the point, but basically our vision I put down here is to be a credible. How many of you know we need credible Christians? We've all met those that weren't. And does that not frustrate you? So we want to be credible spirit, a credible spirit empowered church reaching the Charleston area and beyond with the message and ministry that people can be free, they can be whole, they can be victorious in this life and eternally through Jesus Christ, a rather simple vision statement but in that statement it produces passion I mean I just get charged when I think about people coming to encounter and getting delivered it just charges me up I'm going to my 26th encounter here in a few weeks and whenever I think about encounter of course I start thinking about all the work and all the details and all the things that has to come together in order to pull it together and you kinda get this exhaustion at first as you think about it but as soon as you're on the brink of getting to that weekend and all of a sudden God shows up and the, and the zeal comes back and there's just something inside of you that gets passionate again, at least in me, in order to do this thing. And, and so, and so we, we've just written it as a church that we're reaching people, rebuilding lives, restoring hope and reclaiming the culture. And these are the things that together as a corporate body that's been put out there by way of vision. Now, The Lord desires that every believer be a part of a world-changing vision. You yourself need to ask the Lord to begin to see His heart and get His eyes in this endeavor so you'll have a passion for it as well. Can we all say yes and amen to the statement that we need to be in the center of God's will doing what pleases Him? Is that not true? Sure we do. So we got to see what's in His heart, get His eyes, and get a passion for that. And as you begin to walk it out, it will entail certain things that you're going to be need to be aware of and even submit to because what happened is as we see Jesus Jesus is the prototype for vision you know what Jesus vision was right it was redemption his vision was we're going to we're going to redeem all of humanity or we're going to or provide the potential to redeem all of humanity and and his life becomes sort of the the model by which by which vision comes to pass. There's the birth of a vision. It's exciting. It's joyful. There's responsibility, but there's, there's a great future ahead. But then there's the death of a vision. I don't know if some of you have ever had something you've really believed was God and you felt like God was in and then it just died on you. And can I just share this with you? I believe sometimes God lets things die in order that he can resurrect them. And so when they're resurrected, you find out it wasn't you, but it was him. So don't always get discouraged because things seem to die and that he lets them lay there for a while. Because God very much is in the resurrection business and he loves resurrecting dreams. He loves resurrecting people's future. But a part of that is the death to the vision because we become so attached to what God has has spoken that, that sometimes we even lose our attachment to him. And as I mentioned, the resurrection... Uh, comes along as well and when the resurrection comes there's anointing and there's power and transformation and all the wonderful things that happen but we got to get into the foundation of vision and I need to talk a little bit about vision as it as it entails church life and as it works within the life of a church and so let me talk just a little bit about this because sometimes people don't always understand this the vision God gives is his but you need to realize that God releases vision through people. God releases vision through people. I've often said this, that when the enemy comes to challenge you, even though the enemy is spirit, he's a spirit being, right? But when the enemy comes to challenge you, does he show up in your life just as a spirit? No, most of the time he comes as what? People. (laughs) People. Now, we're reminded that our battle's not with flesh and blood, but at the same time, People oftentimes are the ones that are being used by a spirit in order to just cause heartache and challenge and discouragement or whatever it is. And so the enemy uses people. We all know that. Well, let me give you another revelation. God uses people. That's just that's how he's chosen to work in the world. He works through people. He is sovereign. I believe that. I believe God can do what he wants. Anytime he wants, wherever he wants, he's God, doesn't have to check in with you or me. But having said that, he works through people who will be responsive to his voice and to his spirit. He works through obedient men and women. And so in order for a vision to proceed in an effective as well as efficient manner, the Lord begins to work through people. And so he does things like establishes authority and shepherding relationships to transmit the vision through his body at large. When we get to authority and we talk about shepherding and discipling and we deal with these concepts, a lot of times people wrestle with this because they say to themselves, hey, wait a minute, it's me and Jesus. Well, it's true. He's the one that saved you and Jesus can speak to you, but he works through his people. And in order to give direction to his people, he establishes these relationships in order that his work can go forth in unity and in effectiveness and that is a core concept that we've got to get a hold of when it comes to the work of the lord uh, i'd like to use the term synergy synergy is not a biblical word but it's kind of a biblical concept synergy means this that that the sum that that the, the sum of the whole is greater than its parts what that means is is that is that when two people work together, there, there, there is more that can take place than just one plus one equals two. The Bible puts it this way. If one can put a thousand to flight. Now, now, before we get there, because I know some of you know the verse. So don't quote the verse on me. Just stay in your natural mind for a minute. If one puts a thousand to flight and you had two people show up. How many would you say if you've taken first grade math? Two thousand right, so if one 'll put a thousand to flight, then you would think two would put two thousand that 's what you would think, but that 's not what the Bible says, does it? if one'll put a 1, thousand to flight, how many will two put to flight? So what does that mean? It means when two people link up, they can do exponentially more than they could, even if they worked as two individuals. Are you following me now i 've often used that scripture because if one 'll put a thousand and two ten thousand, and if we 're working we're, now we 're working. What are they? What are those things? Those of you that know math, when you, they put the little number over the ten, exponent. See, you see, I'm just, you see. Send me to history class. Do not send me to math class. God works exponentially. So if one is a thousand and two ten thousand, then I'll, I'd be willing to bet, if there were betting in the kingdom, that three would mean one hundred thousand, exponentially. See, we're moving exponentially. So. Can you imagine what we could do if you got a couple hundred people linked up together? Powerful. Powerful things can begin to happen. Now, I'm going to give you the biblical model here for how I've come to understand through the scripture, God releases great vision, nation-shaking, world-changing vision, and um Believe me, there's been, there's been a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that have gone through understanding all of these things, but I'm convinced even more to this day, this is exactly how God does it. Number one is this God uses a person to articulate his vision. God uses a person to articulate his vision. Now, hear me, you can have personal vision in your life, but I believe God calls us all to link up somehow, some way, somewhere in order that we can do things greater than just our own personal agendas. Just as you would link up to this local church, and we're grateful for that, God asked me to link up to ministerial fellowship, So I link up with other people in order to to do things that's greater than just what we even do here. But through all of this, God uses a person to articulate this vision. I I liken this to Moses. Moses had a destiny to be the voice and the motivator and the inspiration for the people to be propelled into the heart of God. How many of you know Moses wasn't there for his own agenda? Was he? What was Moses' agenda? Moses' agenda was, I need to get you out of Egypt and out of your chains and out of your bondages, and I need to get you to the promised land. That was the agenda. And God used a person in order to get the Israelites from point A to point Z. Now, all of us, me included, all of us need a Moses-type person in their life. Now, I've had person people look at me before and they say, well, you ain't no Moses. (laughs) You're right. I'm not 120 years old yet. You're right. I don't glow in the dark. I don't wear a veil. Okay. I get it. But, but get this. Moses was born under the same curse I was born under. Moses was just as much a man as I am. Now I, I, I don't know if Moses wore pants or not, but he put his toga on the same way I'd put mine on. Are you following me? Moses was just a guy. We all need Moses-type people in our life. And sometimes we call that person pastor. Sometimes that person's a cell leader. Sometimes that person's a mentor. But Moses wasn't doing this because of some selfish ambition or accolades. But God had literally refined him through 40 years in his own personal wilderness in order that he might be able to walk in and do the will of God to help other people get into their destinies. So he uses a person. Number two, God anoints that person for that vision. This is what has always amazed me, and that is that Moses had an anointing to lead over 5 million people from bondage. Can you imagine that? That That is the most remarkable thing if you just dwell on that for a minute. And this is the part I want you to really think about. Five million people could not do for themselves what one man with an anointing could do for them. I mean, they had 400 years to set up their committees, to go to their board meetings, to take their votes... To see who could do what, and you know, they could set up the whole structure and system. But in 400 years, 5 million people could not get out of Egypt. But one man with an anointing could do that. Now, I understand it ain't all about one man. It's about the Lord. I get it. But God, I'm going back. God uses people. God uses people. You see, if you carry things in the flesh, you'll wear out. But if God anoints you for a task, you begin to find favor. And when you function under that anointing, you'll find favor. Number three, God then gathers a people to, ac- to accomplish his vision. Nobody can fulfill a vision alone. If you're, if you're thinking, hey, I can do this on my own. I'm out here and I can take care of it. I've got a talent. I've got a gift. Let me tell you, your talent, your gift will take you only so far. If God calls you to a vision, then it will be more than you are humanly capable of doing yourself. That gathering of people, as I've written here in the notes, will oftentimes be around the articulator of the vision that God is anointing. People are not following the man, per se, but rather the vision as it is declared through that man. Now, the reason I put this down here is this, is because, you know, I've often said this. In some circles, and I'm saying this with a smile on my face, and this is a joke, I'll just prepare you. Which means please laugh. But there are some circles I'm famous in, and some circles I'm infamous in. And one of the things, now not so much anymore, because you know, time has a way of shaking out truth. But this is a number of years ago, man. I got sloshed with this thing when we started teaching authority and some other things. I got sloshed with this whole phrase. You just just following a man. You just following a man. Well, I I just want to say this. In the Bible, Paul said, and I'm quoting scripture. This is what Paul said. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. That's what Paul said. Now... I'll be the first to say, if I'm not leading you to Christ and I'm not leading you to God's ways and God's will and God's promise, you know what? You're under no obligation to go anywhere with me. But, but God uses someone to articulate a vision and he usually says, or sometimes she usually says, she says, this way, this is how you get to the vision. And that's what God uses. I have no problem with that. I listen to voices as well. I've got voices in my life. I, I was on a phone call today with Pastor Rod, and he, he's got a voice in some areas. In a couple of weeks, I'll be on with Pastor Larry Stockstill, and I'll, I'll listen to his voice. And you know what? I know the difference. I, I don't know about you, but I have recognized the difference between Jesus and Pastor Rod. I, I, it's just like when people get uptight about Santa. You know, they say, well, you know, Santa, Santa's replacing Jesus. And my view is, if you can't, If your kids can't tell the difference between Santa and Jesus, we got problems. Now, you can do what you want, and I just feel like, you know, you know, we let them trick-or-treat, but then we beat up Santa. So I'll just let all of that go. I'm just trying to tell you this. Is, is, is that I understand the difference between Pastor Rod and Jesus. I understand the difference between Pastor Larry and Jesus. I sure hope you know the difference between Pastor Baird and Jesus. But truth of the matter is, God will use a voice, and that voice, somehow, it's its really miraculous, to be honest with you. It's, it's, it can be humbling, it can be all sorts of things, but God will use a voice, and that voice will sound like the voice of God. That doesn't mean he's God. doesn't mean I'm God. I'm not. Believe me, I'm not. I can't walk through walls. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eventually one day pass away unless Jesus comes. Believe me, I got it. I can't be everywhere at once. I don't know all things. Sometimes I think I know all things, but I, but I know I don't know all things. Okay, you're following me. But you got to understand, that's why, that's why there are so many, I call them tumbleweed Christians, that are just blown here and there, and they're brittle and they're dry. And it's because they, they don't understand this. It's them and Jesus, but they never got the understanding that Jesus uses people in order to communicate things to us. And then what happens is that God transfers the anointing to the people. The Lord will take his spirit, and we're actually going to talk about this next week, That God will take his spirit that rests on that one who he gives a vision to. And what happens is he will begin to transfer that to other people. In fact, to the people at large. And we're going to talk about this in a much deeper and more profound way uh, next week. But I just want to sort of get some initial concepts that you need to get a hold of. And that is some things need to be imparted as well as instructed. Sometimes I've said it like this: it's as it's as much important that you get that. Well, how don't. Okay, whoop. it's not just what's taught; it's what's caught. All right. There's a spiritual DNA that needs to be caught in people, and what happens is, as they receive it, they in turn transfer it onto others. I'll give you examples. Moses transferred some of his DNA into Joshua. Now, what Moses was unable to accomplish totally on his own, Joshua was able to take it, was he not, to the next level. So the same with Elijah and Elisha. Paul to Timothy. Jesus to his disciples. You see, people will link up with that which is exciting or successful or popular. But folks, we're going we're gonna to really get a hold of this next week, and I'm just seeding some initial things. you got to link up to vision, If all you link up to is excitement, Elvis will one day leave the building. If all you link up to is hype, one of these days the lights go out, the music ceases, the event is gone. And you're in no way different than you were before you went in. But if you'll get a hold of vision and you'll get under an anointing, it's not the excitement that breaks the yoke. It's not the hype that breaks the yoke. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. You're following me now. You're following me. And, and what happens is, is that there's this transfer that takes place. And, and to be candid, that takes time. Now, I find this... I, I, it's, it's humbling and it's amusing and there's all sorts of things. But I've talked with numbers of you and I could, I could talk to you right now. I, I know for Will and I have talked th- just through the years and, and, and he will have told me, you know, I've hung around you, Pastor Baird, for so long that you just kind of pop out of my mouth. I, I mean, the phrases that we use, the perspective that we have, the culture that's been created. It's all based on Scripture. It's not about me. It's about this word. But, but the word has been filtered through, the vision's been filtered through a person that God uses in order to bring us to a place that enlarges us, right? I've talked with Tim and Casey on occasion, and, and they'll both tell me, they'll go, you know, we'll run into situations, and all of a sudden, we'll hear you just pop out of our mouth. Now, you can look at that as weird, or you can look at that as God. because that's how God works. I'm just telling you there, to this day, I remember my pastor that I grew up with. I mean, years ago in a denominational church, there are things that'll pop out of my mouth that I'll say that, boy, that was Dr. Cunningham right there. That was Pastor Miles that just popped out of my mouth. This is Pastor Rod right here. Boy, isn't that amazing? So this isn't bad. This is how the kingdom works. This is how it it transfers. And so you've got to understand that with regard to vision. Vision vision is, is something that's not just taught, it is caught. Can I also say this lest I forget it? And it's this. That, that the children of Israel's personal vision and their personal aspiration was tied up and linked to the corporate happening. In other words, in order for them to get to their promise. Think about this for just a minute. Because the first time I started to dwell on this, I thought to myself, this, this this, isn't fair. I don't want to think about this. This isn't fair. But do you realize that when the spies came back after spying out the promised land and they gave the report that the giants were too large and there were only two people that gave a positive report that said, we can go in, we're well able, Joshua and Caleb said, let's go in and take the land. But they took a vote and everyone else said, it isn't going to happen, the giants are too big. Do you realize that Joshua and Caleb they had to put their promise on hold because they were linked to a corporate happening that basically said, we don't want to do this. And the Spirit of the Lord just, just rose up in me and started showing me things. He showed me how... That, that some of my personal destiny, now I understand there's a place for personal responsibility, there is a place that the Lord does work in me and opens doors for me personally, but, but we need to get a hold of this. And that is there are some things that God will never open up in your life until you link with a group that's going somewhere. You see, the Israelites couldn't get to their good job, they couldn't get to their new housing, they couldn't get to anything uh, that was was positive, and that was the opposite of what they had faced in Egypt. They couldn't get there unless they all went in together. They either all went in together, or none of them went in at all. Not only that, but once they got into the promised land, their inheritances were passed out by what tribe they were linked to. And so God even dished out the promises in the Promised Land, according to are you uh, you know are you in Reuben or Gad or Benjamin or you know Simeon Levi? I mean, wh- whoever you're with, that's how you would get your promise. Folks, get a hold of this. There are things that God, because He uses people, that the kingdom is about relationship. The kingdom the kingdom really works this way, and there are certain things. That are being reserved because he wants you linked with a group that's going to break in. And this is what I believe. I believe when when legacy breaks into something, that means there's new seasons in your life too. Personally. Personally. It's not just about the church gets blessed. It's not just about, well, the organization gets blessed. No. The organization is people. And when people go into the land, that means individual destinies begin to be fulfilled. I think that's such a cool principle. So so keep that in mind. That's one of the reasons we link to vision. That's why you may have personal vision, which is great. But your personal vision is, is, I would venture to say, is linked to probably greater vision. This is what I believe. I believe a part of my vision, my personal vision, is linked to a group of pastors called the Network of Related Pastors. And as they break into some destiny, it will cause my destiny to come to pass. So what does that mean for me? It means that I'm going to sow and I'm going to serve and I'm going to help and I'm going to do whatever I can because, you see, my future is on the line in them, right? Amen. I hope it's, I hope it's sinking in here again. Now, why is all this important? i got to hurry here. Why is all this important? Can you imagine how much diversity would exist among 5 million people? I mean, we just have a couple hundred people here at Legacy, and I mean, it's incredible how much diversity exists within just a couple hundred people. Can you imagine five million people? Now, if you think about a nation and that many people, obviously there'd be many things that probably as a nation they could agree on, and I'm sure there were many things that they could disagree on. But I started thinking, could you imagine getting five million people to agree on anything? Five million people. That's just remarkable. Listen to me. I don't know that all 5 million that as Moses was leading them. In fact, we know for certain they didn't always agree with him. Is that not true? Because we because we know the minute he comes down with the the 10 commandments, they're already partying. <laughs> they're going, "Hey Moses is up the mountain right now. We're going to throw the party we couldn't have when we left Egypt." So they created the golden calf and they had their party and of course God showed up and consumed thousands of them. But anyway, That's negative. We don't want to go there. But we know that they weren't agreeing on everything. They didn't agree. The the, the spies didn't agree. So we we know there was this diversity of opinion. And can I just say this? In in church life, you don't have to agree with every issue, but there has to be an agreement on the vision. There's one thing they all knew they wanted. They all wanted out of Egypt. You, You could get a lot of agreement on that one. And, and and there may be differences of opinion on things that might not be essential, non-essential things. Um but but there but but, but once you hear the vision and you sense the culture of it, you've got to agree, you've got to agree with that. That's what you've got to link with. And a cooperative spirit with those who articulate it. This has sort of been the blessing and the curse of America. The blessing and the curse of America is this, and that is if you don't like something, you get to go down the road, and you can find something else you like. I mean, we've got, we've got more churches than post offices. I mean, it's, I mean, that's just America. That's the landscape. If there's something we don't like, we'll go find something we do like. And that's been a curse in the sense that we've been trained, if we don't get our way, I'll go find my way. So that's how we've been trained in America. And so that's, that's really the curse part of it. You know, the blessing part of it is that we have the ability, though, to, to be able to declare what God has put on our heart. And to be able to see if God's in it or not by the linking up of people who would say, you know what, that resonates in my spirit too. And I can link with that. And we can go forward and we can do something world-changing and nation-shaking together. And, and so uh, these are the things that we're wanting people to link into. Now, when a person links to a vision, what begins to happen as we begin to conclude here? I've already mentioned this. Number one, it begins to pave the way for your personal destiny. You' I realize in America you know we we if we listen to all the conservative voices and I tend to be very conservative in my politics as well as my theology, I'll just admit I tend to lean that direction. but I will say this that we need to be careful that we buy in or suck into this rugged individualism too much because truth of the matter is, I do believe in individual responsibility, I do believe that there is. There are individual rights, but there are some things I cannot accomplish by myself. And if I act like I'm just this rugged individualist, then I'm only going to go so far in life. Your destiny is linked to others. I believe God sets up mentors and authorities in order to help you reach personal goals and dreams. Now again, we're going to spend a whole trimester on this. And so you'll begin to understand, because some of you have had bad experiences... I had a bad experience in church. Well, if you're there 30 minutes, you got one. I'm, I mean, everybody's got a bad experience. I, but can I just say this? If, if, you, work, if you work in retail, you, you've had a bad experience in retail, haven't you? But you get up and you go to work. I don't know about you, but I have had a bad experience with a doctor. But the last time I needed one, I went and saw one. I mean, I could go down the list here. That bad experience is is, is basically your excuse that the enemy keeps rerunning in your mind to keep you cut off from reaching a destiny that's in God. And you need to break that thing and realize that God's going to set people up in your life. He's going to give you people that you wouldn't have chosen in your life. And the reason being is because if you got to choose them all, they wouldn't help you. They just tell you how great you were instead of telling you you need to work on this. And praise God, when you work on it, God can use it. Open up more doors. Number two, it will be the glue to greatness. When a person links to vision, I believe it's the glue to greatness. Nothing happens if everyone marches to their own drumbeat. And I mentioned radical individualism is not the way to accomplishing the vision. Number three, when you link to a a vision, it's the only way to bear the burden. Moses could not bear the burden of five million people alone. It not only took an anointing, but it took the transfer of that anointing to other people. There was a battle they faced, and Moses needed Aaron, and he needed her to come up beside him and lift up his hands, because the Bible tells us that when his hands were upraised, that Joshua with the, with the warriors would win the battle in the valley, and that if Moses dropped his hands, that uh, the enemy would begin to prevail, and Moses was getting tired lifting his hands up all the time, and so Aaron and her came up beside him, and they helped hold the hands of Moses up, and, and when they helped hold up Moses' hands, the people prevailed. Now, I'm, again, we're going to get to this, but I've had people through the years look at me and tell me that the job of other leadership was to somehow keep me in check. No, the job of leadership is to help me hold my arms up. I mean, if it was the American church, Aaron and Hurd be sitting over a rock and they'll say, we'll see how good Moses does now. Well, you see, he's just, he just, he's tired. It's time to get rid of him and get a new guy, a fresh, fresh guy in here. Well, no, no. Why don't you get up beside him and hold his arms up? Amen. It's going to get better. When you have the anointing that's on the vision, the yoke will be easy and the burden will be light. And, And number four, I believe, again, and we'll expand on all of this, it increases your own unique anointing. In 2 Kings 2, 12 through 15, it's the story of Elijah and Elisha. You know the story. Elijah was preparing to be taken away by the Lord. And all of, his, all of his spiritual sons were with him. And they were following Elijah around. And finally, he tells them all, hey, just stop here at Jericho. This is as far as we're going. And uh, Elisha goes, no, I'm going to keep following. I'm going to keep serving. I'm going to be with you till the end. And so Elisha follows Elijah to the end. And you know the story, the chariots of heaven come and take Elijah away, and Elijah's mantle, it's, it's like, a, like, like a stole, a uh, sort of just kind of like this giant tie that dropped, and Elisha picked it up, and he walked back to Jericho where the sons of the prophets were, and it says that he struck the waters, and the waters parted. And all the other sons of the prophets looked. And this was the word that they said. They said, look, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. I always found that to be a fascinating phrase. The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. They didn't say, look, look, guys, the Holy Ghost is on him. They didn't say that. They said, the spirit of Elijah is on Elisha. And this is what I believe. This is what I believe the double portion is. Because that's what Elisha wanted. He said, when you go, all I'm asking is for a double portion. A double portion is not twice as much of what is available in God being dispensed to you. I believe the double portion is, number one, that God grants you the full release of the anointing that is on your personal life. And that the double portion, or the second part, is that God will release the anointing of the spiritual authority, mentor, overseer, that inputted your life to begin to flourish in your life as well, think about that i've often thought about that i've thought about the the people that i've been fortunate enough to serve through the years and and you know what i i, I can see I can see that there's some that that flows, that's just unique. God's done a unique thing through a guy named Kevin Baird, and that, and that flows. But, but there's another deposit that's been made that'll come out when it's needed from someone else. And that's the part you, you gotta want. Now, God will use you. I'm not saying he doesn't use people that just decide they're gonna do it on their own, and they're gonna be just individually set up, and it's just, you know, him, them, themselves and that's all there is but but you you get this precept of how god works out a vision and you catch that god god will enlarge you in even even greater ways and so my personal belief is that every person needs to link up with a vision greater than ourselves and it's my personal dream that through the vision process we use here at legacy that you begin to be trained and tooled for success greater than you could have ever achieved on your own i i I think the neatest thing in the world is, is when there's going to come a moment, and I don't know, it could be a year, 10 years, I don't know, 20 years from now, but God will begin to do things. I, can I just say this? I'll just say this. I think my, my sons are already positioned to do greater things than I will ever do. My oldest son is already doing things that I never got to do, and I can see God positioning Tyler because they've hung around me since, you know, they were born. They've been around me. So they've got, they got download. I mean, they got download. I mean, I downloaded their hind ends a few times. I mean, I have, I've downloaded any and every way imaginable. But, th- but they are now doing things that are just absolutely off the chart. I think that's an amazing thing. I think it's God's way. I think it could happen to any of us as well. If you want it. If you want it. Amen. I'm going to pray right now that the spirit of the vision now begins to invade. Would you just stand with me, please? And we're going to pray, and then I'm going to cut you loose. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask right now, just lift your hands to the Lord. If you would, just while we're here, lift your hands to the Lord. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name. For, Lord, we're not talking about our own agenda. We're not talking about just what we thinks good or what we think is in order. But, Lord, according to your word, Lord, that you have established in the scriptures and according to your word, which you've rammed, Lord into my heart. I pray right now that, that the spirit of the vision would begin to be renewed in many people in this room. Lord, I already know there are many, many, many people in this room. They've already signed up. They've locked on. They work hard. They pray for us. They work in this ministry, Lord. They're, they're on board. And I thank you for them. And I thank you for their testimonies and for their lives. I thank you, Lord, that, that they are laboring in this and that you're doing great and mighty things in them. But, Lord, I'm praying now for a, a new group that's even coming, Lord, that you would begin to download even in these early lessons. Lord, the spirit of the vision that's in this house. Lord, that you would just put in them the spirit of the of this culture that you have created in us. That Lord, you've called us... Not to a better thing, but to a unique thing. And, and, and Lord, that unique thing is, is our part. It's our piece of the greater kingdom work that's taking place here in this region and in Charleston, South Carolina. And Lord, I believe right now that if that if one sends a thousand and two ten thousand, and that, Lord, if we're going exponentially three, four, five, Lord, what could you do through two hundred, three hundred, five hundred, one thousand people? Lord, that caught The anointing and the spirit of a vision, what could you do? Lord, you could literally turn a nation around. Lord, help us to see there are some things greater than ourselves that we can link up to. Some things that we can work in, Lord, that as we're working at it, that that you're preparing our own way and our own doors to open up. And Lord, I don't even know how all that works at times, but I've watched you do it too many times to doubt you now. So, Lord, increase us, enlarge us. Lord, we receive from your spirit right now the spirit of the vision that wants to be a credible, spirit-empowered Christian witness in our area. Lord, we receive the spirit right now, Lord, that wants to see people taught and ministered to so that they might be free and whole and victorious. Not just only for heaven praise god that is there but lord in this life right now they can live a quality of life different than they've been living it and lord you're going to work it through us in some form or fashion so thanks lord for beginning to increase that in our life thanks lord that double portions are coming our way and lord i just bless the people right now lord what you called us to we couldn't do it without these people Without their testimonies, without their faithfulness, it wouldn't happen. So, Lord, I ask that you would strengthen them and that they would feel not just affirmed from their pastors, but they would feel affirmed from you most of all. Lord, that you are pleased. And and, and that, Lord, you're doing something that is beyond our wildest imaginations. Lord, we're faithful to you. We love you. In Jesus' name. And all the people said amen.